Praise God. Let's jump in here. Galatians 4, verse 8 and 9. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are gods. But now, everybody say, but now. You see, something's different because you, you didn't just get introduced to God, but God got introduced into you. He's on the inside of you. So now it's different. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, he says, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Why are you going back to the old forces that used to shape your future when God has a plan to give you hope in future? You need new forces shaping your future. You, you need to be living God life. See, there, there's a difference. Uh, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it's not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, the life I now live, that's different from the life I used to live. Not, not in rules and regulations, not in religion. The root of the word religion means that which is left behind. That which is left behind. See, when someone leaves, when, when God left, mankind developed religion. Why? Because God had left. And what was left behind, he had made a great impact. It's, it's, think about it like this. Think about it like cologne. You know, you have any friends that, that like their cologne a lot and they wear a lot of it? And, and, they come, and you can tell when they're coming, he's almost here. And when they come in the room and they use your telephone and then they, they hang up and they leave and you weren't even there. And you come in later and you pick up the phone and, and you can tell they were there. It smells pretty good. He was here within the last two days. Well, that's, that, that's kind of like religion. It's the fragrance that was left behind. And, and, you know, religion, that's one thing. But listen, God didn't send Jesus so that we could have religion. He sent Jesus to the most religious people on the face of the earth, and they nailed him to a tree. He sent Jesus so we could have relationship. And that relationship causes you to live not at a different level of life, but at a totally different lifestyle. God said, my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My, my thoughts, my ways, they're higher. That's not a put down. That's an invitation up. God, God wants us to come to a different lifestyle. Why are you going back to those old forces? There are forces that, that form your future. I mean, just think about it this way, that if last year, if you had decided to spend money and save money differently, you'd be in a different financial place today. Why? Because of those choices back there and... and there were forces that were forming your future. You know, if you treated your spouse or your children or your boss, your employees, if you had, if you had acted differently, if you made different choices for a whole year, you'd be in a totally different place today. Well, the great thing is, is that no matter how bad or how good the position you're in today is you can make it better just by using better forces to shape your future. Right? Where we're going, it doesn't really matter where we've been what really counts is where we're headed, right? So don't keep going back to those weak, miserable forces. There's something much, much better for you. And we, we've talked about the forces of excuse. You know, we, we all make excuses, and I'm here today to tell you that if we keep making excuses, we'll never end up in the place where, that God's called us to be. And the problem is, is that God has prepared things for those who love him. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man, the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. Do you love God? Oh, come on. Do you love God? Amen. Well, then he's prepared some things for you. Prepared, made ready in advance. 
made ready in advance. So in other words, he's carved out, God has a plan for you, right? A plan. So God's carved out a trail for your life. And he's put things along the trail that are going to bless you like crazy. But if you wander off the trail, you'll miss the thing that God prepared in advance for you. And you'll, you'll one day look at God and say, hey, where were you? And God will say, where were you? You know, he, he had it ready. You know, to sin simply means to wander off the trail. So if the enemy can get you to miss the mark, you'll miss the provision or the protection of God's promise. You don't have to worry about prosperity. You have to worry about the plan. You just got to stay in the plan of God. You got to stay in the will of God. You got to do what God's called you to do. Somebody say amen. Let's go here. T- today we're going to talk about a different force. Look at Luke 8, verse 22 through 24. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Praise God. Look at that first verse that we read, verse 22. Now it happened. Now it happened. If you ever really decide to get in and start reading the life of Jesus... There's, there's a lot of these. Now it happened. It came to pass. Now it occurred. And, you know, and we, love the, we love the story to find out what happened. You know, and it's just in the next few words. Now it happened. Jesus got in a boat. Wow. All of the miracles, all of, all of the uh, demonstration of power, you know, really it just happened. It was just everyday life. It was just everyday life. I love Romans 12 in the message. It says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your ordinary life, your everyday life. You're going to work, eating, sleeping a lot. Present that as an offering before the Lord. That's the way you're going to worship God, is the way you go through your everyday life. I think some of us, you know, we're, we're thinking so big. We're going to do something for God, and, you know, and it's got to be huge. No, it's your everyday life. If, if your everyday steps are not worshiped to God, you really don't need a, a giant platform with the whole world looking on for 30 minutes of your time. No, it's every day. Every day, God is on the move. Listen, Jesus got in the boat. How many of you have Jesus in your boat today? Hold your hand up. If Jesus is in your boat, don't lie, because, you know, you, you could be struck dead. <laughs> hey, if you, if you show up next week and find a big pile of rocks out in front of the church... That's a non-tither. Okay. Just threw that out there. Listen. <laughs> Old Testament guys get it. Okay. God is moving. God is working. God is speaking to you. God is answering prayers. God is opening doors. God is giving you breakthroughs. God is doing something powerful in your life. But quite often, we just don't see it. Our, our focus has been distracted we've shifted our focus and it's usually because we've made it all about us today i want to talk about the the force of me not the force of tom the force of me say it with me the force of me say it again the force of me with gusto the force of me see i got to tell you something today that if you make life all about you, 
you mess it up. Look at these guys. They're traveling with Jesus. They've had, you know, we've read the book. They got, they got miracles on both sides of the water. You know, there are people being healed and lame are walking. The blind can see. The dead are raised. The devils are coming out. Pigs are jumping into the ocean. But in the middle, they come and wake him up. We are perishing. No, we are not. Have you seen the price of gas? Of course. But that's not the dictator of our life. Do you see the mess I'm in? So what? Jesus is in the boat. You're going to the other side. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're going to the other side. I know there's days when you, when you feel like he's not around, that suddenly you're just lost at sea, and you become introspective in those moments. You, you slide into the ugly state of victimhood. We all do that. And then we start blaming God. And we make stupid statements. Todd's been doing a study on scriptures that have the word stupid in them. You know, and, and uh, you know, in the message, they're everywhere. And we start thinking stupid. We start making stupid statements. You know, why did God do this to me? It's not all about you. You're on a journey as a Christ follower. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. This isn't your journey. This is His journey. It's not about you. It's a huge mistake to allow yourself to think, it's all about you. Well, God doesn't like me. God loves you. He hasn't forsaken you. Why is He making me do this? He's not making you. He's, he's putting you in a place where He can demonstrate His glory. You got to take your eyes off of the waves and off of the water and put your eyes back on God. When you, when you keep everything about Him, you can find God in all of the circumstances. You can find God working through every situation. And I, and I guarantee you, you'll be happier. Your marriages will be stronger. Your work will flow better. Every relationship will connect at, at, a, at a much stronger level. When it's not about you. Think about needy people you know. Just look straight forward. You know, you know think about it. They're all clingy. And, and you come in the room and you stop and you want to back out. You see them in the mall and you duck into whatever store you're next to. You know, because you know that if, if you say, how are you doing? They're going to tell you. And it's going to take like Forever. Hello? And they're going to list all the stuff that's wrong and, 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 and all the pain that is in their body and all the pills that are in their box. And, and they're just needy people. You know, I, I can't remember the date or who did it. You can Google it. It's really easy to find. Some scientists about 1988, I think it was, they did a study, and they took 10 monkeys and they put them in this big open room thing, and it had a big long pole, and at the top of the pole, there, there was a bunch of bananas. Remember that study? And, and when, when a monkey would head up the pole to get a banana, they'd give him an electric shock, and he'd come scurrying back down the pole. And when he saw one of the other monkeys head up the pole, he'd tackle him and choke him out for Jesus. 
And uh, he wouldn't let anybody go up there. And so uh, once he had stopped that monkey, they'd take him out and they'd put in a new monkey. And any time a monkey, and, and they, uh, you know, and they would go up the pole, any time they'd give him a shock. And they only had to shock three or four of them, and, and the rest of them would just keep it down. And then eventually they had ten brand new monkeys in there who had never been shocked, keeping, ever, keeping each other from going up the pole. And see, some of us, we've been in situations in life, and they're really not all that shocking. But we're not going for the banana because somebody else prevented us. And so now we ain't going to let anybody else do it either. And, and see, that's the problem. When you, when you make life all about you, you miss the mark. So disappointment comes. Disappointment leads to, you know, offense, offense to betrayal, betrayal to hatred. And, 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 and you know, we just keep everybody down. We don't let anybody around us become the best that they can be because, well, we weren't allowed to. And life circumstances, you know, we, we had a little jolt somewhere and, 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 and it just stopped us in our tracks. And we make sure that everybody knows you can't go any farther than I did. We've got to be delivered. I said, we've got to be delivered. Somebody say amen. If you play life that way, you'll pay a price. You want what God has for you. Guys, if you're up all night playing Nintendo with your buds while your beautiful wife is upstairs laying in bed alone, something's wrong with that picture. You, you know, there, there's so much in our life that is just totally out of shape and out of control. Listen, now it happened. Jesus got in the boat. You, you've got Jesus in the boat. So then they launched out into the deep. And you, you set off to do something as, as a Christ follower. Right? You, you've launched out into a marriage, you're launched out into college, you're launched out into a business venture, you, you launched out into life itself. And Jesus fell asleep. You, you might think that Jesus is absent. No, he might be silent, but he's never absent. There might be seasons when, when you, you're not hearing God, but he's right there. I said, he's right there. Somebody say amen. The winds began to blow. Water began to fill the boat. Have you ever been there? You know, in your life, the wind, is it blowing? Water getting in the boat? You just got to sit there and remind yourself, Jesus is in here. I got Jesus. I got Jesus. It says that they fell into jeopardy. They fell into jeopardy. King James says, we are perishing. I think some of us, there's areas of our life today, we're in... We're in a position where we found ourselves in jeopardy. And the enemy would love to use that moment to distract you, to keep you from reaching the end that God declared for you at the beginning. And if you make it all about you, if you I said if you make it all about you, that's going to be a force that forms your future. And you're not going to like where you wind up. Hello? When you make it all about you, you're not only in jeopardy, you're in double jeopardy. No matter what you launch out to, can we just encourage you today? Keep it about Jesus. Keep it about Jesus. Keep it all about Him. You were created by Him. You were created for Him. Look at Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It was in Him that all things were created in heaven and on earth. Things seen, things unseen, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created and exist through Him and in Him and for Him. 
Look at verse 17. He himself existed before everything, and in him all things are held together. One translation says, in him everything sticks like glue. When it's all about him, he holds it together. If I was going to sit down with you today and just have a cup of coffee and talk and tell you, you know, what, what's the biggest mistake that, that I've ever made in my life? It's in any realm of my life where I allowed it to become about me. When I let life become about me, when I, when I, when I make our marriage all about me, the marriage gets weaker. When, when I make ministry all about me, it becomes less effective. When, when I make anything in my life about me, and guys, I'm not telling you I've never done that. I've done it a lot. All of us have. And when we make it about us, when it's about me, it suffers. How many of you would agree in any relationship, whether it's with your spouse or with your kids or with it, you know, on the job, any realm of life, how many of you would agree that when the relationship is all about one individual, you know, one person, that the relationship begins to suffer? Come on, hold your hand up. Let people see it. Let them see that you agree. Okay. Well, in our relationship with God, we have a tendency to think it's all about me. We go to God and tell Him what I want. This is what I need. This is what I need you to do. And it's me, me, me. And I'm telling you that many times, without realizing it, we bring damage to our relationship with God because we've made it all about us. We're telling Him all about the storm. Wait a minute. He's telling you we're going to the other side. We're telling Him, yeah, but, you know, I got this problem. And we make sure to stop people in the halls in church and tell them what's going on in our life. When's the last time you stopped him in the hall and said, guess where I'm going? I'm on my way to a victory, baby. I'm on my way to a breakthrough. I'm telling you what God said. I'm going to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm going to be above only, not beneath. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. Let me tell you something about my future. can't let it be about you. God is working in your life. And because he's in there, when you make it about him, he holds everything together. doesn't make any difference if you feel like he's asleep. He's in the boat. And that is what makes the difference. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to renew our mind. We're so conformed to this world. You know, Romans 12 don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and perfect, acceptable will of God. God's will for your life is good. So start living like you believe that. God's plan for my it's a good plan. And His is perfect. That means nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. It's, per, it's totally complete. It's acceptable. It's the only thing you should accept shouldn't accept any other thing in your life except God's plan. You got to renew your mind. You got to think different. You got you got to change the way you think. I know sometimes it's hard. We, we you know, we talk about man, you're thinking wrong and we want to get all offensive and we we want to protect wait a minute and we dig our heels in to prove that we're not stupid. We're not saying you're stupid, we're saying you're thinking wrong. 
I know really smart people that live really stupid lives. Ecclesiastes 10.2. It's a great verse in the message. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Got to think right. I didn't come here today to have you tell me I think stupid. What'd you come for? <laughs> Just let that hang out there for a minute. Look at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Celebrate God all day. Celebrate God all day. Everybody say all day. Say every day. <laughs> celebrate. It's hard to celebrate God if you think the party's for you. Where's my cake? <laughs> You're at the wrong party, sucker. Celebrate God. I mean, really revel in Him. Look at it. Verse 5. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them, not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. Guys, never forget, God can show himself in your situation at any minute. At any minute. Don't fret or worry. Look at verse 6. Don't fret or worry. Well, wait a minute. That worries me. I'm the family worrier. That's my job in the family. You got the bumper sticker on your car. It says, why worry? Or why pray when we can worry? Don't fret or worry. What's that? Don't look at the storm. Knock it off. Make your whole life about the storm. You forget you're on your way to a miracle that's going to impact somebody else's life. To be obedient to God. You know, do you know how Jesus learned obedience? The Bible says that even though he was a son, he learned obedience through suffering. And because he learned that obedience, he was positioned to save the entire world. If he hadn't been willing to go through some stuff, you and I wouldn't be here celebrating God today. If you're not willing to go through some stuff, the people that God has sent you out to impact, they're not going to be reached. He has reconciled us to himself through his son Jesus and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry to bring to peace people who are at war with God. If you think you're going to pull that off without some suffering, if you think it's always going to be, you know, people shouting your name, have you ever thought about the donkey that come walking in when Jesus rode him in, you know, and they were laying palm leaves down and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Have you ever thought about what probably was going through the mind of the little jackass that Jesus was riding? Whoa! <laughs> they finally see who I am. No, you're just a jackass Jesus is riding on. See, this thing ain't about you. Look at your neighbor and say, ha, he told you. Tell them. <laughs> uh, never worry. Never worry. Instead of worrying, 
pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Look at this. I love the way he writes it. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Well, well I'm, not, I, I'm, not supposed to, I'm not supposed to see the storm. No, that's supposed to get you in a place where you're talking more to God. God, you know, if the enemy left you alone, you'd probably still be in a bar somewhere. But when, when, when the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. You know, it's the trouble, it's the chaos, it's the, it's the heartbreak that pushes you to go after God. Shape those worries into prayers. Let your neighbor say, see you Wednesday night. Focus service. Focus service. You know, Wednesday night is the most important service of the week. And I know, I know you can't, you know, some of you guys, you can't always make it. And you got kids and they're playing baseball. Oh, God, we're praying for you. And, and uh, you know, when the boys had baseball, when they were all that in that age, and we had three boys with three games a week each, that's nine baseball games. They taught me how to hate baseball. You know, we know where you are in life. Your work schedule, the schedules don't let you get in. Don't get under condemnation. Just make sure that, you know, you're, you're getting to, you know, the prayer cards in and letting us cover you in prayer. But when you can be here, get here. Wednesday nights, that's our soaking session. Every week, you know, it's just something a little different that just opens up heaven. But, man, I tell you what, how many of you guys were here Wednesday night? Hold your hand up. Check it out. There was a, Wednesday night was a great crowd. Wednesday, Wednesday night, Evoria came to the microphone. She started praying. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, we just stepped into a level of the anointing that was just crazy. You don't want to miss, if you don't have to, you don't want to miss Wednesday night. Why? Because we're letting petitions and praises shape our worries into prayer. We're letting God know where we're at in life. And we are being embraced by the arms of a loving Father. And I'm telling you, His presence in your life changes everything. So that it changes everything. Look at this. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Somebody say amen. Look at verse 8. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best. You'll do best. You, you want to have the best life possible? You want to have the best life possible? You want to, you want to find the force that will form your future and, and the best possible future you could possibly have? Have I said possible enough? <laughs> You'll do best by filling your minds. Filling your minds. You know, I want to give you three points real quick. Point one, fill your mind with good things. Fill your mind with the good. I doubt if I came out, you know, and stood next to you with a microphone and said, okay, do you believe that filling your mind with good is best? You'd say yes. Let me just submit this thought. If your mind is filled with the best, good thoughts, where'd that bad thought come from? 
Because if your mind is full, there isn't room for anything but the best. See, the enemy has a strategy. The storm is intended to open up your mind to a different thought, to distract your focus. See, we're so easily distracted. Last night in the service, you don't mind if I mention this, do you? It was just it's a great point. Last, he's like, oh, my God. Uh, he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Last night in the service, last night in the service, you know, Todd came and he began to, to, to you know, just speak to the body and getting ready to receive the offering. And right then, you know, the wind sounded like it was going to rip the roof off and, and the rain's falling. And, and everybody in the rooms, you know, Todd's here talking. Everybody in the room's like, And we're so easily distracted. You've got you to gotta, you gotta guard your heart. Proverbs 4, you know, it says, guard your heart. Your heart, you know, that thought process. Don't, don't let anything else get in there. When you find it, throw it out. Fill your mind. Point two, meditate. Meditate. You know, it's like chewing a good piece of steak. You know, you go over to TC Prime and you, and you sit down there and, and you get that, they bring that steak out and, and, and you're going to share it with your wife. So you cut off a piece about that big and give it to her. And you look at her and wink too on that for a while. And, and, and you want her to meditate that piece while you consume the rest. That you it over and over and over. Think about it, roll it over in your mind. You know, what, what's going over? What, what, are you, what are you meditating on your bed at night? Well, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. You call it worry. It's the, it's the same function. See, you've got to fill your mind with the right things so that you can meditate the right things. Look at Joshua 1.8. Check it out. In, in New King James, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Good times, bad times. Why? So you can observe to do what's written in. Then you're going to make your way prosperous. Then you're going to have great success. You've you got to fill your mind with good things. You've got to meditate those good things. Look, look at verse 8. Fill your mind, meditate on things true, things that are noble, things that are reputable, things authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. High road. Not low road. The best, not the worst. Quit, quit. If you're thinking the worst, realize you got, you got a job to do. you got to fill your mind with the best. The beautiful, not the ugly. you gotta, you got to meditate on, on, on the best, the beautiful. You know, when we do premarital counseling, we'll often give them an assignment, homework. You know, go home and each one of you get alone and, and you don't have to show this to your to your, you know, to your intended spouse, but I want you to write down five characteristics that they need to address in their life so that they can change and grow. Five things that you know that they've got to deal with. And I have people all the time come back in, they got that piece of paper, and, and, and it goes, it's got five blanks on there. Well, didn't you do this? Well, I, I sat for hours and hours. I can, I, there's no, he's, he's like, perfect. <laughs> well, I don't think you're being real. I don't, you just haven't met him. Oh, my God. ridiculous six months later they come in with a sack of paper it looks like a portland phone book and it's a list of everything that they've been given you know revelation to in the last six months here's his fault 
It's funny. It's funny, but it's real. And, and the deal is, is that how did they come up with so many faults? Because you made it all about you. When you came to the office and you can't find anything wrong, it wasn't all about you that day. But now it is. They don't treat me right. And they don't do this. And they don't do that. And I heard you say that Shelby gets you coffee every morning. And she won't even get out of bath. It's not like I've heard any of this before. <laughs> Look at verse 9. Put it into practice. Point one, fill your mind. Point two, meditate. Point three, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Think the best, live the best. Act the best. Practice the best. Choose the best. Going after God life here. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, it, it takes some courage to stand up and be who God's called you to be. Said it takes some courage. It takes a backbone to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're serving God. Man, I like you. I, I love you. I, I want to connect with you, but I'm not living that way. And, and if you want to maintain this relationship, you're going to, you know, you just have to accept the fact I ain't doing what you do. So hard, you know. When, when, we want, when we want to be embraced by, by, by people and, and we, want, we want to have a relationship with them and, and we're under the impression that we should live like they do. No, no, you're going to hang very long here. You, you live like we live. Well, that seems weak to me. Okay, then you try to live like we live for 30 days. All I got to do to live like you is medicate my pain. For you to live like me is going to take some courage. Got any? You know, peer pressure is going to get involved. Trust me, I'm going to smash you down. Practice it. Practice it. Look what it says. Put into practice what you've learned and what you've heard and what you saw. Listen to this. Listen to this. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Do that. And God who makes everything work together. Oh, my gosh. Just think right, meditate right, practice right. God will make everything else work together for good. He'll work it all out, and at the end of the day, victory in Jesus. Amen? Come on, give God a hand this morning. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom, insight, revelation. Thank you, Father. Amen. Real quick, close your book, bow your head. I want to ask you a question. If you're in this room right now, and there's, there's going to be a little movement. People are getting ready to, to, to minister and getting ready to, to, you know, to do the jobs that are, are going to impact your life. But just stay with me for just a minute. If you're in this room, you say, you know what? I want... Relationship with God. Relevant relationship. I'm not asking you, have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer before? I'm asking you, is your relationship with God real? Today, it's an incredible opportunity. We have an invitation from God himself to have intimate relationship with him through his son, Jesus. If you're here today and say, you know what, I, I want, I'm going to take that step. 
I, I want my life to change, man. I, I want God life flowing. I, I, I want to get down off the throne of my life and allow God to begin to rule and reign in my life. I want God's best life. What we're going to do is in just a minute, we're all going to pray a prayer. We're not going to call you out and not going to embarrass you, but if you're here today and say, Pastor Tom, this is going to be my prayer today. This is my prayer. I'm taking that step towards God. Right, real quick, just hold your hand up so I can see it. Say, that's me. I'm doing it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. It's awesome. Anybody else? Real quick, we're going to pray it. Yep, I'm coming after it today. God life, the life of God, love relationship with Jesus. I'm ready. I need him. Anybody else? Real fast. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you, ma'am. It's awesome. I want everybody in the room to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me vision. Give me strength. I choose to live for you. Not just today, but every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name. Would you stand with me? Let's give the Lord one more big praise offering. Father, thank you.